Welcome to It's About Him Ministries with Denise Robinson. It is my desire that you would be encouraged and inspired by this broadcast and that you would trust Jesus no matter what and believe him for the impossible. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him, Jesus. Have your way today, dear God. Lord, I pray I decrease that you increase, dear God. We pray that the ears of the hearers are anointed, dear God. Speak to me, dear God. Speak through me, dear Heavenly Father. Have your way. And we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, the personality of the Holy Spirit. And uh, hopefully everybody have your sheets. And this is the review. The sins against the Holy Spirit. There are three sins. One is to rebel against the Holy Spirit. Two is to grieve the Holy Spirit. And three, to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And here, if you look at number one, it talks about being rebellious. It says resisting authority, opposing control. And, um, and we can look at Isaiah 63 and 10. And it says, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. And this is um, how God... When uh, the people of Israel, they rebelled against God and that vexed God's spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person, has feelings. And, um, and even though we're talking about God's spirit was vexed. And so now um, if we go to Acts 7.51... And if you all can help me out, in fact, that's good because I left my, my glasses here. It says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. So here is letting them know that their hearts were hard and they were stiff-necked and God was upset. He was mad. I mean, it says he's grieved the Holy Ghost. And if you look at the definition here, it says grieving the Holy Ghost. Grieve means to cause sadness and sorrow. And um, and what I would like to do, uh, getting off the notes here, but I would like to go to 1 Samuel. If you go to 1 Samuel 15, and uh, we're just going to focus on maybe about four or five scriptures. Um, and here, Samuel had told Saul. First of all, let me give you a background. Saul was just anointed king. Samuel had anointed him king by the power and authority of the Holy Spirit, but through God. And Samuel told Saul, according what God gave him, that he was supposed to go to the Amaleks or uh, the Amalek, and he was supposed to ultimately destroy everything. Their, the men, the women, their men, um, men servants, their women servants, the babies, everything they had, he was supposed to totally destroy because they were in disobedient and um, to the will of God and doing the things that God wasn't pleased of. And he told them, he said, take everything, just kill them. So what happened instead, Saul sent his men down to Amalek and they utterly destroyed the people, but they kept the king. They kept Agag, Agag and they brought all the spoils, all the gold, the sheep, the oxen, everything. They brought the best of the best. And here, what they were going to do, they were going to give this as a burnt offering to God because they thought they did something special. And here, 
Saul was so grieved in his spirit because he knew he heard a rhema word from God. And God said, utterly destroyed everything because Amalek during the time when Moses and them, they gave them such a hard time. And those were God chosen people. And here God is saying, you know, it said vengeance is God. So it's not for us to give back, but God gave Samuel a specific word and he did exactly what God told him to do. And then Saul being the king with all authority at that time on the earth, he did not do what God told him to do. And we're going to find out why. And that same reason why he didn't do what God told him to do is the same reason today why we don't obey God. But anyway, this thing was so grieving to Samuel that he, because God, he went, God was so upset, so angry that God repented that he even made Saul king. It hurt him so, and as a result, it hurt Samuel. And Samuel grieved all night long on behalf of Saul to God because he knew he carried out the will of God. And we're talking about here learning how to hear by the Spirit of God, how to be led by the Spirit of God. And, and we want to be in a place where we know that God is talking directly to our inner man that we don't have to wonder, God, is this you? God, is this me? We want to know without a shadow of a doubt that this is God. And that's how Samuel felt. And can you imagine Samuel knowing he hearing from God and he's going to the man who is equivalent to the president of the United States today. The man who can control everything by one word. Say, do this, do that. The military, whomever, they got to obey. And here he told the man in the highest authority what God said. God Almighty he told him, and the man chose to do differently. So instead of killing and ultimately killing everything that was in that land of Amalek, instead, they kept the best of the best. And they called themselves going to do this unto the Lord. Give him an offering unto the Lord. And so Saul said, did you not understand what I said? I said, God told you to kill everybody, even the babies, everybody. Don't save anything. And then we're going to look and see what happened here. And so if you go to 1 Samuel, let's look at 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. And it said, God grieved. He repented, God did, that he made Saul king. Because Saul didn't obey him. And this grieved Samuel. And it says that he cried unto the Lord all night. Can you imagine here you have the mantle of God. God give you a rhema word. And you know it's life or death. And you do it out of your obedience to, to God. Because you know when you obey God, even though it's a hard thing. I can imagine it's hard for them to kill innocent babies and things of that sort. But when God say do something, it's a reason why he said it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to our natural mind. But when we compromise, then we get in trouble. And so here, Samuel was so hurt. He was so grieved. And then if you go to verse uh, 23, part A, it says rebellion. Now we're talking about rebellion here. Now rebellion is really doing your own thing. Knowing what God is telling you to do, but you're willingly choosing to do otherwise. And that's rebellion. And here it says that if you go to uh, verse 15, 1 Samuel 15, 23, it says that um, the first half, it says, for rebellion is as sin of witchcraft. And we know witchcraft is controlling, manipulating, 
that kind of sort, totally against the will of God. And here is saying that this is how rebellion is. It's, it's, it's just a sin, just as witchcraft. And we don't want to be found in that place. So here by Saul doing his own thing, um, Samuel was letting him know that, you know, you, you was out of the will of God. Here you're doing what you want to do, and that's rebellion. And so further, we'll find out why he said this. So if you go to, um, let's look at 18. Okay. Um, for rebellion, okay, that's a different one. It says, um, so Samuel, he had told, if you go to verse um, 18, this is where Samuel told him to kill and destroy everything, everything that moved, everything. Don't save anything under any circumstance. And then if you go to First um, Samuel fifteen twenty four, and this is what I want us to focus on right here. First Samuel fifteen twenty four. It says, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord God and thy words because I feared the people. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You're talking about grieving God, grieving the Holy Spirit. Being rebellious when we fear man over God that grieves God like never before. And here they thought they were bringing a burnt offering. And I was looking um, for the verse where um, Saul was saying that here we was bringing this unto the Lord. And then Saul had told him, said, it's, it's like half obedience. He said, no, you didn't do it all thing. You killed the people. They end up killing the people. They saved the king. They saved Agag. But then they took all the spoils. They weren't supposed to take anything that was represented in that country. They weren't supposed to take anything. And so God had a reason for that. And because they disobeyed, it grieved God and it made him feel like, I wish I didn't even make Saul king. Thank you. He said, I wish I didn't even make him king. And then now here you have the servant of God. He's grieving on behalf of Saul, Samuel. And so what I just want to say there, so all that is just review to just say that this is a serious thing. We can't take it lightly. Yes, we may not see the Holy Spirit, but he's there and he has feelings. And then finally, the blaspheme. Okay, here it says, uh, if you go to the, um, the sheet here, it says, question is, how do I grieve the spirit of God? One way is by letting corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth according to Ephesians 4.29. And if we can go there. But it lets us know that we don't want to do anything that will harm the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is what's directing us today so that we can fulfill the call and the will of God on our lives. And so that's the last person we want to hurt is the Holy Spirit. That's where we're getting our, our download, our information, where to go, our guidance, our instruction, how to live victorious in this life, in this world. So we don't want to be afar off from him, praise God, because we want to have that direct relationship, just like Samuel and God, that you hear accurately. You know specifically, you know when to do something, how, why, because you're right there in the flow of the Holy Ghost and he's operating through you. And um, so anyway, 
Here it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And that's according to Ephesians 4.29. Just a couple of days, it was a uh, Sunday. Uh, my daughter, uh, the one who just graduated from college, we were at the house, and my other daughter who's in high school in Jerome, it was in the kitchen. And uh, it was someone's birthday, and my daughter said, uh, boy, he looks old for his age because all his siblings, this individual is a relative, and all the siblings, they looked young for their age. And, um, and so she said, boy, he looks old for his age. And, and I said, well, that's what sin would do for you. But the way I said it, and she's like, she just went, how can you say that? Like, mama, oh, you judging. Oh, and I said, no, he living in sin, living with a woman. That was, sin will age you. Sin will when, how do I say, when you out of the will of God, a lot of things come upon you. But again, it bothered her. And the way I said it, I later had to repent because it came off like self-righteousness. It came off like, you know, because it wasn't in love. I just responded. I mean, point blank, just Bam. And that's how it hit her. And it was like she was grieved. And because I know she's tender and learning, I was like, now here, now check this out. Now here, you the one started it. I mean, I, you know, you know, my flesh, you know, it's like, you know, you the one said the man was old. And then you had the nerve to tell him you told him to his face. So how rude is that? But yet when I said it's saying I'm just off the chart. You know what I'm saying? So I just said, okay, Lord, because I said, I'm not going to get in a little power struggle with my, <laughs> with my daughter, you know. So I just said, God, and I thought about how it came off. And it just let me know something as small and tender as that could grieve the Holy Spirit. If it's not in the right tone or if it's not in the right spirit or if it's not in the right manner, because I didn't want to come off destroying his character you know what I'm saying to make me look good or anything but it's just how I said it oh that's what Santa do for you and and later that thing dealt with me and I said Lord I'm sorry because I don't want to grieve you and I later went back to her and I said you know I said I shouldn't have said it like that I said sometimes I say things just point you know without the tone of the word and not saying that what I said wasn't truth. It's just that sometimes we can say the truth, but if we don't say it in love, if it's not seasoned in compassion and understanding and forgiveness, guess what? It's sin. If, if we're not doing, if we're not saying things, sometimes we feel like as long as I tell people the truth, I'm doing the right thing. But if your heart is not right, meaning that, or your heart is not concerned about them growing and be the best that they can be, then it's out of order. Praise God. Are there any questions? Anything? Okay. So anyway, those three things, rebellious, grieving the Holy Ghost, or blaspheming. And here it says, blasphemy means to talk against. It means you see the power of the Holy Spirit doing signs and wonders and miracles. And you say, this is not God. This is the devil. Now, one thing, and we'll read in the Bible, if you go to Matthew 12, we'll read in the Bible that there's a couple of times where it says, you can blaspheme against Jesus, the name of Jesus. Like, you know, people talk about, geez, don't say Jesus. You can say God, but don't say Jesus. Now, you could be forgiven for that. Now, you think, now, we know Jesus is the name that's above every name, but it's something about the Holy Spirit that God said, 
if you know that you know these are signs and wonders, the movement of God, the activity of God, then all of a sudden you're going to give credit to the devil. You won't be forgiven for that. So we're going to talk about how serious it is that we have to watch our words and watch our mouths. Because a lot of times we might not understand different things, especially now on television. We see a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Some of it is of God. Some of it is not of God. But if you don't know that you know what it is and it looks strange or it looks different and you see people being healed and people being delivered... Just keep your mouth shut. Don't talk against it and don't say it's by the devil. If you don't know, it's best to just stay out of that and let God deal with that individual if they're not right. But anyway, here it says, um, Matthew 12, 26, it says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both specked and saw. And if you go down... To the next one, it says, and all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow do not cast out devils, but by Bezabah, the prince of the devils. And if you go, I think it's further, maybe another scripture too. Can you go down another scripture for me? Okay, it says, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself should not stand. Continue, please. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Go on. And if I, by Bezebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they should be your judges. And if you continue on, I'm trying to get to the point, but it says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Continue. Or else how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. And I think this is the one that I'm looking for. Let's see. He that is not with me is against me and he that gathered not with me scattered abroad. What I was trying to say was that, first of all, the devil can't cast out the devil. Meaning if, you know, a house can be divided among itself, either you with God or you with the devil can't be um, like here. The Pharisees, they saw this man that was blind, dumb, couldn't speak, couldn't do anything. They actually saw him healed and then they're going to give credit to the devil for doing that when God did it. And sometimes we can be like that. We can be totally off and not knowing the spirit of God. Well, anyway, all that was review. So if y'all, <laughs> if y'all have any questions, so let's move right along. For this week, we're going to talk about how to be led by the spirit. Number one, you first must be willing to commune or fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You first must be willing to commune or fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And this is from uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. And when you look at that word commune, that means to talk together, to share thoughts. Like fellowship is companionship, sharing's one interest. So you're being close it's just like when we take communion, how that blood and that body represents Jesus. And, and it's an intimacy there. It's power in there. It's trust in there. It's a closeness. It's, it's you know, it's, um, 
It's just power. And that's how it is when we're walking and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. It's a closeness. We're sharing our desires with God Almighty through His Spirit. We're being vulnerable. We're letting Him know our weaknesses. We're being real. And so He can pour into us and and show us his ways and and teach us and so it's real intimate so this communion this fellowship is very important and here it says communion means a partnership participation you got that communion means partnership participation in other words You have a part to do. And the Holy Spirit has a part to do. So it's a partnership. Two people, you and the Holy Spirit. You have your part. He has his part. It's a togetherness. It's not going solo. You're participating. And also, too, if you look up um, another definition I looked up for communion, it says sharing or exchanging intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. Praise God. So if we go to Philippians 2.1. And here it will talk more about, okay, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. But that's just going on talking about the fellowship. Now verse um, number two, it says, Slow down. And this is from 1 Kings 17.1. And it's stand represents slowing down. And if you go to 1 Kings 17, we're going to read um, verses 1 through 6. Because I want to give you like the whole just, not just give you a scripture, but give you a whole just of what's going on here. Sometimes we can be so busy doing our thing, whether it's working, whether it's our business, whether it's tending to our kids, going to school, that we're busy, we're, we're rushing, we're, we're so on the move, everything is fast paced. You know, we're trying to do this, trying to do that. And God is saying, slow down, hear me, I want to talk to you. I want to speak to you. Praise God. So first Kings, I'm still here it is. So here if you go to First Kings seventeen. Okay, one. And a Eli- and a Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there should not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And if you continue on, and it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Go. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Shereth, that is before Jordan. Continue, please. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to, to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Shereth, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning 
and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And the last verse, seven. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So here we're looking at how Elijah had told them that it was going to be a drought. So for three and a half years, because of his voice, he said that. And God honored that. It did not rain for three and a half years. So he told Ahab that if you go to this brook, Sharith, and stay there before you get to the Jordan, that here God is going to feed you. God is going to allow the water, the brook to give you the water. And the ravens going to command. And if you look on there, it didn't say God commanded the ravens. It said Elijah. If you look on there where he said he commanded the ravens to come in the morning and to come in the evening so that he would have food. And so here I'm saying is that it's very important. And if you look at A, it says to listen for God. So here Elijah he listened for God and he got clarity. God let him know that it's not going to rain. It's going to be a drought. But God gave him the authority. And he said three and a half years. If you look in another, um, another place, it was three and a half years. So we have to be very careful to, how do I say, to be still, not to be in such a rush or so busy doing day-to-day things. And I know I'm guilty. I mean, I'm trying to multitask, trying to do three or four things so I can get all this done. And But we have to make sure we take time to hear. And I was just reminded this morning I was in prayer. And it was so odd. Jerome had went to work and my other two daughters had went to school to work. And um, and, I, and now that I realize it, I mean, it could be the devil could. I don't know what. But anyway, I heard like somebody was in the house walking and I'm upstairs and I'm hearing and I'm just, you know, I'm like, stop everything. Stop praying. And I'm just like. Where is that coming from? And I, and I heard no, and it sounded, like I said, it, you know, your mind, it sounded like somebody was literally walking in my house. And so I, up, I called my daughter by name, hey, you did, and I heard her go. I heard her close the garage and leave and drive off. So I knew she was gone. But just the idea, I thought I heard something. And then later God showed me that is how attentive I need to be for the voice of him. For the Holy Spirit, I need to be look. I mean, look. I mean, I was like listening. Like, okay, do I have to call? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was listening, and that's how God wants us to be like that. He wants us to be so attentive that we're like on edge. Like, okay, God, what are you saying? Just like Samuel. Remember when uh, he was with Eli? He was staying with the priests, and three times. God was calling him and he thought it was Eli and he got up and I got up twice and to check and I'm thinking, okay, nothing here, you know, and not that I had the spirit of fear, but I thought I heard something. It let me realize for this tonight that, wow, I need to be that sensitive to the spirit of God that I'm here. I want to hear. I want to hear. And then if you go to the third one, the number three, it says, I mean, I'm sorry, B, it says, listen to God. Not only do we want to listen for God to hear what he might be saying, but now we want to listen to him. So we have to put ourselves in a position to be able to hear, not being so busy or preoccupied or our mind. You know, sometimes you can even get in prayer. And you're praying, but it's taking a few minutes just for all these thoughts. You know, you're thinking, what do you do today or what you got to do tomorrow? What's on the burner? What's cooking? You got to put all that stuff aside just to get quiet, 
just to stand still. And so God is wanting to speak to us. He wants us to be attentive. He wants us to be alert and keen to the Holy Spirit. Because remember, those mysteries, those things that we need to know to live an abundant life here on this earth, the Holy Spirit already knows it. He knows where that next promotion is. He knows where that next witty invention is. He knows everything we're working so hard in the flesh to accomplish. We can save a lot of time if we just get in his presence. Listen. And so here, number three, it says, act on what God said. And this is what Ahab did. Ahab trust the man of God, Elijah, and he did exactly what he told him. He went to the brook. He waited for the ravens. The ravens fed him in the daytime, fed him in the evening, and then eventually that brook dried out. But while he was on assignment with what Elijah told him he didn't have to worry about what to eat or what to drink because he obeyed the man of God. Praise God. Number three, God leads you by your spirit, man. And this is Proverbs 20 and 27. And it talks about the um, the candle. Um, let me go to it here. Okay, number two, it says slow down. Stand represents slowing down. And then A, listen for God. B, listen to God. And C, act on what God said. And now number three, where it talks about God leads you by your spirit man. And so here in Proverbs 20, 27, it talks about how the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And then, um, and it says it's searching all the inward parts of the belly. So God, this is right here. This is where we're going to hear the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit right here. It's not here. It's here. And he will let us know with clarity. But we have to be still. We have to be settled. Sometimes it's a long time. God may not talk as fast as we want him to talk. So you might have to put yourself in a position for a good 15, 20 minutes or so just to clear out all your agenda for the day and and just to listen. Praise God. But when he does speak, that's when you got to act on it and obey. Otherwise, why do you want him to speak if you're not going to do it? And I told you early on that... um, You know, God had told me, I had asked God a question and God gave me an answer and I didn't like the answer. So you got to be prepared that you're going to be able to accept the answer and obey. Praise God. You have a question? dinner on the table your mind just started to wonder like what do you do to slow your mind down do you quote a scripture how do you get your mind to go back to get quiet so you can't hear from God sometimes what I do I just close my eyes and I just try to focus on picturing God how I see God in the spirit room and just being very still and just closing out everything and just focusing and just focus and just making myself just really to not think of anything you know just like you know how when you close your eyes it's just black and I just just trying to picture 
what I'm saying, get myself in position to be able to hear, be able to receive. And, and so for others, you may have to say a scripture or, okay, let me, let me get the, the mic. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, it doesn't always work. It all depends on really how busy you are. But I, I just pray in the spirit and, and just, you know, when you start praying in the spirit, it comes me it just calms me down and 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 it's not like because when I try to force it I can't force it I can't you know he doesn't want us to force it I really don't think he wants us to force it but when I pray in the spirit and and I just find myself calming down and then before I know it you know I am in a in a in in a zone, I guess, to where I'm listening to him and I'm hearing, and it's not for very long. It's not like I'm there for hours. But mm-hmm. that's what I'm. Thinking. I mean, I do it different ways, but that's one of the things. And with me, I always ask um, Jesus, help me, slow my mind, help me to concentrate on you why I'm here so it helps me to call on him to call on him praise God so to shut everything out concentrate on God pray in the spirit ask God to help you pray and I just would like to add that you know the flesh obviously don't want to allow your mind to settle down and so it's about sometime putting your body in subjection and so, like she said, sometimes it might take time. Um, like Elder Seawood said, sometimes I could be praying in the spirit, my mind wandering all over the place. At the 30th minute, I'm finally, my spirit is really finally to receive from God. So you have to be willing to, you know, just by faith, start off in the spirit until you get up, you know, until you feel clear, until there's a clearance or a rest in your spirit, because it sometimes it might not be 15 minutes. Sometimes it might not be 10 minutes. It depends on what's going on that week, that day. I mean, sometimes I can enter right in. And then other times I'm like, I've been praying for 40 minutes. Well, I'm just now what I'm just now. God, are you here? You know, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm walking around doing dishes, stuff like that. And it takes some time. It just depends on what you're going through. The I think the end is to make sure that you get there and don't give up because he's waiting on you to enter into his presence. Praise God. And that's the key. Don't give up because sometimes we put God on the time limit. We're like, OK, God, I only got, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, and then you're like on one knee. You know, you're ready to jump up because you're ready to do get out the door. You know, I've been there. I mean, I'm, my mind is here and I want to hear from God. But then again, it's like, OK, God, I got to do something. Like, come on, come on, make it quick. You know, but we can't put God on the time on the time line. Praise God. So um, let's go to Psalms 1828. And this again, just talking about how God, um, the spirit of man is like a candle. It says, for thou will light my candle. The Lord, my God will enlighten my darkness. And that's what the Holy spirit does. It enlightens your darkness. It gives you revelation knowledge. It gives you information. It gives you life so that you can live. Praise God. And so here now we're going to uh, number four. It says fasting, prayer, And the word is another way God leads you. Fasting, prayer, and the word is another way God leads you. Praise God. And, um, and I was just thinking, uh, just yesterday, you know, my, one of my daughters getting married and, um, in June and I went to the store with my younger daughter because she's in the wedding so she's trying to she's trying to help mama out well mama you can give me a prom dress and I can wear it for the wedding too two for one I'm like okay so anyway we get to the dress uh the store this bridal place and um 
I knew, I mean, it said on their, you know, prom dresses, 50% off. And then it had clearance. And my daughter, who was with me, she pulled one off the um, prom. And I didn't like the color. I said it wasn't her color and blah, blah, blah. And, and that was 50%. And then she got this other one. And I thought it was still on the 50% rack. So needless to say, um, she tries it on. She loves it. And we come, we get to the register and we get ready to pay for it. And so the lady put the ticket in and rang it up and she gave me a total. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, that was 50% off. No, you know, and she's like, no, somebody must put it on the wrong place. And I said, no, I said, my daughter, she got that off the 50% rack. And, uh, and she said, no, it should have been on clearance. Now you think clearance would be better than the 50%, but the clearance was, and it was like 10% or whatever. So anyway, and my daughter's not saying anything. She just going with the flow. And so I'm like, no, that was 50%. So the lady drop it in half. (laughs) So the lady drop it in half. But yet in my spirit, you know, you know, when you got a deal and I knew that was a deal, but I couldn't rejoice. I couldn't hop and jump and, you know, and so my daughter's like, mom, you got favor. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't have a piece about it. And then so later we're driving, we're having, and so she says, mama, I didn't get that dress off the 50% hanger. I said, you what? She said, Mama, that was the clearance. I said, I saw you. You picked up a... She said, no, you remember the other one that you saw? It was like that, but that was... And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So now I'm driving. I'm off home, you know, and so I'm thinking, I'm not going back. Not now, not tonight. I'm not going back. But anyway, I, I dealt with that and dealt with that. And even before I went to bed, and this is how the Holy Spirit deals with you. And even... Before I went to bed, and that was about 11 o'clock at night. She in the bathroom, brushing her teeth, getting ready for bed. I'm knocking on the door. Hey, were you sure that dress was on the clearance? You sure it wasn't on that 50%? No, mama, it wasn't on the 50%. Here's the 50% rack, and over here is the clearance rack. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, oh boy, I got a good deal, but I don't have peace about it. And so this morning, uh, the lady and I, we exercise, work out together, and we we prayer partners and everything. And I just kind of threw it out her because, again, I'm listening back in my mind. My daughter said, Mama, you got favor. And then over here, I'm like, I don't have peace. And so... I just threw it out to my friend, and uh, she said, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but, you know, I, I, you know, she was saying what I was thinking. You know, I need to go back and talk to the lady. So she was saying, well, you know, I don't know. I probably would, you know, let her know that she made a mistake or I made a mistake or whatever. I said, yeah. I said, you don't have to say anymore. I said, thank the Lord. I said, that's my confirmation. Because I said, I really couldn't sleep. I didn't have a rest. I didn't have a peace. So what do I do? I called the store and I saw the receipt and I asked for the lady and she was the manager and they said she won't be back in for two more days oh my goodness and then I thought okay Lord maybe by Friday it would be too late to correct it and she might say be blessed you know and so that's what I'm believing was going to happen but I'm going to do the right thing and tell her that I made a mistake, that I thought it was on clearance, I mean on um, 50% off, and it was not. I later found out that it was on clearance. So if I have to pay the difference, excuse me, Jerome, I know you might not like that, (laughs) but if I have to pay the difference, so be it, because I'd rather have peace with God, because I believe that was the Holy Spirit And you're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. When you know right and don't do right, that's sin. And I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to live sinless as much as I can because I got so much before the Lord. And I'm like, God, I would pay 
struggle. I would pay more if I have to, to have peace with you because I don't want to jip anybody. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And honesty do pay off. I do want to say that because some of y'all might say, oh, I would say like your daughter. I would say, praise the Lord, favor of God. But you know, I'm learning. This is a fine walk. We can't do like the world. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember real quick um, when my daughter's open house, and this was in November, we had ordered chicken. And we had ordered from the store. And um, on the receipt, it said $99. And I had bought several other stuff. And um, because I was in such a, uh, just a hurry, you know, trying to get back to put the food on and get ready and everything. When the lady gave me the final total, she said $59 or something. And I didn't think much about it, you know, because I showed her the deli coupon, you know, for the two big boxes of chicken that said $99. And I had the receipt on me and she saw it and she typed it in something. So I'm just assuming that she got it right. So anyway, as I thought about it, because I thought, oh, I should have been more than that. And I just, you know, again, in a hurry, went home. And then I looked at the receipt. I'm like, wait a minute. This is $99. And I paid $59. And I had a lot of other stuff with it. I'm like, oh, gosh, why does stuff keep happening to me, you know? And then so, and so anyway, I said, I told Jerome, I said, I ain't going up there today. I, I, I got to finish this uh, open house. I got to do this. And so I got busy, started doing things. A week later, I went back to that store. And guess what? It was all these lines. This lady, she was there, the the cashier, she had the longest line. I could have went and bought my little stuff and been out. But the Holy Ghost led me to wait, go in that line, go back to that lady and tell her what happened. I went back to her and I said, and she remembered me, you know, she know me. And I said, I was here last week. I bought chicken for my baby. How was your baby's thing? You know, she asked me questions about the. I said, it was great. But I said, you know what? I said, I didn't have a rest. I said, the receipt said $99. And I said, the whole total for everything was 54 She said, oh, honey. She said, I wrote whatever I saw. So you be blessed. Merry Christmas. I said, hallelujah. Thank you. But I wanted to make sure that she was on the same card because I felt like otherwise I'm stealing. If I know that I got a, um, you know, a discount and somebody undercharged themselves because you better believe if it was the reverse way. I'll be wanting my money. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm learning You got to do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Praise God. So that's how the spirit deals with me. And I know when I don't have a peace, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And so when I obey and oftentimes God give me favor. When you come clean and be honest, people like, hey, be blessed. Merry Christmas. Hey. And I just say, thank you. You know, praise God. But anyway, moving right along. Um, fasting, prayer, and the word is another way God leads you. And if you go to Acts 13, 2 and 4, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fast, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and saw for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fast and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. The next verse, please. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed on Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. But here is just saying that some things only come through fasting and praying, but also by the word of God. And if you turn the page over, it says the result of trying to be led by prayer Fasting and no word is not good. I'm going to read that again. The result of trying to be led by prayer, fasting, and no word is not good. 
You know, sometimes we see people, you know, they're always praying, always praying, and they seem to always have a word for you. They're not in the word, but they always praying, always praying, or they're fasting. But you got to do all three or you're out of balance. You know, you can't, you know, you have to do all three, prayer, fasting, and the word. And if you go to Job, um, here there's different examples of Job here, how uh, his friends and and what they said and things of that sort. But we're going to look at um, Job 2, 12, and 13. And here it says, and when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. And this is Job's friends. They couldn't even recognize Job. Job had balls on him. He he, he probably was very skinny, and um, they didn't even recognize him. So what they did, they put ashes, they fast, and... Um, and here, and this is what the point is here, is that they were fasting, and it didn't say they were in the Word, but they were quiet. They didn't talk or anything for so many days. If you go to, um, let's continue on. It says, Job began to talk crazy. And so if you go to Job 3, 1 through 4, so it says, Job began to talk crazy. Job 3, 1 through 4 it says, After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job specked and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said, There is a man child conceived. Now he was talking, okay, in the next one, it says, let that day be darkness, let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. And um, so here, Job wanted to curse the day he was born. And I remember my grandmother, I don't, you know, I'm not saying this is Bible, but my grandmother said, February 30th, that probably was the day because he cursed it and it's not, <laughs> you know, you know how uh, February got leap year, 28, 29, well, I don't have no 30, <laughs> whatever. so all the other months got 30, 31, but anyway, that was just an extra, all right. But uh, Job was talking crazy, and he wanted to curse the day in which he was born. And so here it says, Job's friends began to talk crazy. Job's friends began to talk crazy. So if you look at Job 11 through 5. I'm sorry, 3 through 5. It says, Shall thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make it thee ashamed? Go to verse 4, please. For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But all that God will speak and open his lips against thee. Here, his friends, they were judging by the out outer appearance of Job. They knew that he lost his wife, his lost his, his kids, his home, everything, his stock, his lively stock, everything had nothing. And now he has balls. So they think, you know, you must be in some deep sin, man. And they're fasting. So for a while they were just quiet. And I think it was like for seven days, they didn't speak. They didn't say a word. And then after the fast, they just got right in on them as if he sinned or he did all this evil stuff. And so that's why I said you can fast. And if you don't have the word of God, that's not good. So you need both. You need prayer. You need all three. Prayer, fasting, and the word. Because we don't want to be guilty. Like here it says, all of Job's friends tore into him with their words. Sad to say, they all thought they were being led by the Spirit. 
And I'm going to read that again. It says, all of Job's friends tore into him with their words. Sad to say, they all thought they were being led by the Spirit. And that's Job 42 and 7. So here it lets us know that we can be off sometimes. If we don't have that word and the right perspective and prayer and fasting, we can be out of balance. And we can think we're religious or think we're godly or think we're righteous and we're putting judgment, you know, um, false accusation on other people, being judgmental and not have a clue what's going on. You know how some people, you know, somebody may been in an accident or got hurt or fired from a job and the flesh we want to think the negative like they sin like something was wrong no it just happens stuff happens you know and um so anyway we have to be very careful of our words and be very sensitive to the holy spirit praise god because the holy spirit will lead us all right 42 7 it says and it was so that after the word after the Lord has spoken these words unto Job the Lord said to Eliphaz and Hemanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is that is right as my servant Job hath So here, God is rebuking Job's friends and letting them know, you you know, even though you fast and you went through all this religious ceremony stuff, you're not speaking what I said. You're coming against the innocent man. You're putting your mouth on the man of God. And so we have to be so careful. All right. um, The level you feed Your spirit, man, the word of God will cause God to lead you easier. The level you feed your spirit, man, the word of God will cause God to lead you easier. And this is from Psalm 73, 24. And if we go to the next one. It says, God leads you by a still, small voice. And this is from Isaiah 30, 21. So the Holy Spirit is constantly talking to us. And we want to make sure we don't grieve him. We're not rebellious. We're not blaspheming. But we want to listen. We want to take time out and slow down and listen. Listen for God, listen to God, and then obey what God says. And we want to make sure that we're fasting, praying, and reading the Word, studying the Word, so we can be led of God, so that we can hear that still, small voice. And finally, your prayer should be, lead me daily. Spirit of God. Again, your prayer should be, lead me daily, Spirit of God. And we can go to Psalms 5, 8. And it says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. And if we should go to um, Psalm 27, 11, and this will be the conclusion. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. And so our prayer should be, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me. So we want God to lead us right now. So dear Lord, we just thank you for this word. We praise you, Lord. We just pray that you would lead us through your Holy Spirit. Let us be sensitive to that 
inner, stilled voice, dear Heavenly Father. Let us obey what we hear. Let us not grieve you. Let us not grieve you. Let us not rebel against your Holy Spirit. And let us not blaspheme. So God, we just thank you for all these things we ask. In your Holy Son, Jesus' name, praise God. If there's I trust you are blessed by this broadcast. I would like to hear from you. You can send your praise report or your prayer request to It's About Him Ministries at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can send your contributions to It's About Him Ministries at gmail.com by way of PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. Remember, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him, Jesus. We've been coming to look at you, but it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus.